everything's <laughs> intense right now for me. And he, you know, and tomorrow's my birthday. Aww. And so I've been looking forward to my birthday. Um, wow. and I'm hoping, uh, that this movie doesn't ruin my birthday. There's a beautiful birth in this movie. <laughs> I, I, okay. No. <laughs> I hope that you were born no. much so, in the same way. So in conclusion, fuck you guys. Okay. Real quick. Hey, how many, has someone cried about your music before? Yeah. You like that, don't you? <laughs> yeah. You like it. You like it when they cry. Yeah, I guess so. Okay. Let me <laughs> see. Let's go fucking. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> Right. You're gonna. You're about to feel something. <laughs> All right. I'm about to feel something. All right. Let, let's wrap this up. I just want to say, happy birthday, suppose. Thanks, Kev. Let's, Thanks, Kev. Let, let's watch a Serbian <laughs> film. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> let's watch happy a Serbian film. Happy birthday, dear Spoos. Happy birthday to Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I am Vukmir. I am here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hey, guys. Hi. Hello. Hello. How's it going? Uh, great. Yeah. Deja vu. We're doing something a little bit different this week. We just held the first ever Speak All Evil, socially distanced, limited capacity, red carpet film screening event. The movie that we screened was a Serbian film, the highly controversial, extreme 2010, in my opinion, masterpiece. I'm speaking only for myself. We did that at Ophodian in Portland, Maine, and would like to thank Pat Corrigan, local arts legend, for letting us do that. Uh, we had a great time. The stars were out. The paparazzi was out. <laughs> and we had a very, very special guest that we invited onto the program. You may know Ryan Peters. You probably know Spose. Take my name in vain and may not sell Lyrically, I'll kill a guy. Hey, Ryan, how's it going? Great, Trent. Thanks for having me. Um, Ryan told us that he doesn't like horror movies. He has only seen, up to this point, two horror movies in his life. If I recall, it was The Hills Have Eyes. And what was the other one? Midsummer. I had seen. Well, I didn't mention that, but I did watch Midsummer recently. But I've seen. I. I. I just to clarify, I've seen m many more than two horror movies in my life. <laughs> I just don't really seek them out or desire to see them. Yeah. You know, usually it's because it's reached such a trendy topic of conversation thing that I have to see it. For example, mm -hmm. like uh, which I wouldn't really call a horror movie, but like Get Out. You know, like I've had mm -hmm. to watch Get That's Out. That's a horror movie. You know, and then like. Um, scream you know when i was like 11 you know that's a very it was like a very popular you know movie to watch and then uh you know i did go see the hills have eyes on mushrooms um with oh, Katie Leach. Wow. um and i also worked in a movie theater for a few years so i'd catch like oh, nice. parts of horror movies <laughs> you know yeah. and i'd be like oh but, so you know, I've seen I've seen your basic horror, a few of them. But I think one of the the ones that really traumatized me were The Hills Have Eyes, and I saw like twenty minutes of Devil's Rejects. That's a pretty intense one. 
Ryan is a good friend of ours and a friend of the program, a podcast colleague. He has the Spose podcast, uh, a musical colleague, and we wanted to invite him into our world of depravity, misery, and see how he would hold up watching what many believe to be the most extreme horror movie currently in existence, a Serbian film. Ryan, you've seen it. We talked a little bit at the premiere. I think everybody was a little bit shell-shocked. Uh, you didn't walk out. There were no walkouts, which I'm frankly a little bit disappointed. I mean, if you don't have a walkout, what are you really doing? Um, you made it. What did you think? Um. So, yeah. So, me and Kat had never seen it, and we... We survived it. Um, I do consider myself a survivor. Um, <laughs> and uh, no, I mean, I will say, I just want to preface my thoughts on it by saying I was, I was mentally preparing myself for this movie. For mm -hmm. you know, I knew for a couple weeks I was going to watch it, and so I was very scared. Um, just almost the fear of leading up to it was almost worse than the thing itself. I I, I think, but the. <laughs> But overall, you know, I kind of armed myself with some tactics to help me get through the kind of more messed up stuff that I was seeing in this movie. And so one of them was, I just want to say this before I get into my thoughts on the movie. Uh, one, one of my thoughts is, one of my tactics was to imagine the people filming the movie, the, the cameraman and the lighting and the grip and the, you know, the boom <laughs> mic and, and, and kind of just to know that like, look, this is just a movie. These things aren't, you know, and to kind of get me out of the trance. Another thing, when it really got messed up, I looked at Instagram for a minute. <laughs> Cat turned around, but I, my tactic and it was, was even worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh my God, Instagram's horrible. I got to go back. Um, and so that was another tactic. And but, but the final one was I read a, a, like a synopsis of the movie. Okay, mm -hmm. well, speaking of synopsis, let me just set the table briefly. A Serbian film does two things that are common, not just in horror, but in, in all movies, really. Um, it is a film within a film. So the title of Serbian film refers to not just the movie that we watched, but the movie within the movie. It also does the time-honored conceit of the one last job. That is where someone is trying to get out of the business that they're in and they've got one last job. It's going to set them up and they're going to get out of all this stuff and they're going to start a new life with a clean slate, a turnover, a new leaf, and they're not going to look back. They just have to do one last job. So this movie is about the most famous male porn star in Serbia. Mm. Okay. I love that title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is the biggest male porn do, star in Serbia, but he wants out. He's tired of the porn life. He has a wife and a young son. He wants to clean up his act, get out of this business, and do something else. And he's offered a chance to do that by a shadowy figure named Vukmir, who is making a movie, an art porn movie. He's offering Milos... A sum of money that is never actually, I don't believe the exact sum is revealed in the movie, but it's enough that he'll never have to work again. And that's the setup. Yeah. I, I, I just want to say that over the last like decade, every time I go into the studio or I go into a gig, it's like, this is the last one. <laughs> <laughs> one last one. I'm going to do one this. One last I'm gonna job. Go out big. Doesn't every work time, out. 
every time we podcast. This is the last job right here. I just want to do the I just want to do the Spos episode, a Serbian film, and I'm out. That's it. I'm moving on with my life. Yeah. Unfortunately, Gutter's last jobs apparently never pay enough. So here he is again, doing the charity benefit. The thing that I think that that also helped get get through a Serbian film because I I put myself in your shoes um, because I know I know you very well. Uh, Ryan, like you're very empathetic. Um, you're a compassionate person, um, and I'm not even trying to compliment you. I, th- I think those are signs of weakness. You <laughs> 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 wouldn't but make it in my, Serbia. My, I did notice Lately, that um, throughout the the movie, um, I had never I had never seen the movie with dialogue because I watched it like the day it came out, some pirated copy from Serbia. Um, and I didn't see the subtitles. So it's the first time I'd seen the dialogue, which the dialogue was hilarious and and very good. And we laughed. We were laughing through a lot of the movie. Uh, that was another tactic, being able to watch it with you guys. It wasn't like I was just sitting by myself in the dark. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, to be honest, this is the first time I've really hung out with anybody in months anyway. So it was kind of a joyful experience <laughs> <Yeah>. regardless. <laughs> But yeah, um, it was like going to the movies. It was kind of nice. Uh, Fodian is great. And we, we shouldn't gloss over the fact that Kat had never seen this movie. And Kat usually fills the role of Spoh's on this podcast. Yeah. where <laughs> Somebody we, with morals and dignity. Yeah, yeah. And then we, like we drag her down. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we drag her something. down. So the, the question going in was how long either of you would last if mm-hmm. both of you would even make it through the entire film. And you both did. I give you guys a round of Thank applause. Thank you. No I think walkouts. we deserve that. Yeah. Yes, you I do. Feel like, yes, I feel do. like we're closer now that we've been through this movie together. Um, will I ever watch it again? No. I'm absolutely never going to watch this movie again. I don't know how Challenge you guys accepted. have watched it. Don't Listen, okay. I guess going, so going into this podcast, I think after our first episode, you know, you guys were talking about a Serbian film when we were like ripping butts outside. And I was like, I'm never going to watch this fucking movie. It's never going to happen. And you guys were very supportive, and I really appreciated that. And then comes along this fucking episode, and <laughs> Dave's like, well, we're going to get Spose on, so if you could come, that would be, I'd really love to have you there, but if you don't want to be there, that's totally fine, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, if Spose is going to do it, I will come and also watch this film. And I'm very proud of myself. I, I definitely took some turns away from the, you know, away from the screen where I was like, oh, what's going on in the back of the the Aphodian? It looks interesting. <laughs> um, but it really, Trent has set, had, had said it so many times before. It really wasn't that bad. Well, I, I that the was my... Um, things, maybe. That was my fifth time seeing the movie. I've now seen a Serbian film five times. You wear it like exp- a badge of honor. I don't. I don't. I don't. I'll ex- <laughs> Are you sure? I'll, I'll explain that later. Kevin, okay. you own the Blu-ray. So <laughs> if anyone has any, like if anyone has any explaining to do, I'd like to know why you own a Blu-ray copy <laughs> of a Serbian like, film. Like Ryan, one time he was tell- he was giving us crap for watching a movie over and over again, and then it was revealed later in the episode that he had just watched this one like baby death scene. <laughs> on YouTube on repeat, <laughs> uh, which he somehow thought that that was better and he was exempt from this this guilt or whatever. That's why I'm, that's why I'm hanging shame. out on the sidelines here. I'm just waiting in the <laughs> waiting in the wings, 
Look, uh, like Dave, it blows my fucking mind that you watch this movie like the psycho you are the day it came out with no dialogue and no <laughs> subtitles. I, however, I wanted to see this movie as well, and it was really hard to find. So the only way I could find it was to buy it. So I ended up buying a copy, having it shipped to my house. Uh, I do own the Blu-ray, but like nine years ago, I loaned it to this kid that worked for me. So worst boss ever award for that year goes to me. Um, this episode comes up and I'm trying to find a copy so we can watch it. And I was telling Dave, like the closest thing I could find was like 115 bucks on like eBay. So I ended up texting oh. this kid that worked for me. This is literally like nine years ago and just said, yo, any chance that you have uh, Serbian film? And he literally showed up at my house like 10 minutes later with the copy that I'd given him all those years ago. And now he's like a super fan of the podcast too. So win-win. Well, I don't know win-win. I kind of don't want to own this film. I don't really want it in my house. You 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 glossed over yeah, you glossed right. over uh, you glossed over ordered, purchased, and shipped to your house. <laughs> I don't think I you glossed over it. That's I was, a pretty nobody went I was scared to go through the airport something. with my laptop. Huh? I was scared to go through the the airport security thing with my laptop after having watched it. I think I downloaded some torrent from the dark web or something. It took me a long. What did you think was going on this whole movie if you had never seen, if you had, didn't know the dialogue? What did well, you, you think get was it. happening? I mean, you get that he's a porn star from that very first scene. Okay. Uh, you get he meets with a girl. I didn't know that that guy was his brother. I thought that guy was his friend. Mm-hmm. Um, cop. And that's pretty much every, yeah, the cop. Every Other than that, I mean, I knew exactly what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, you'll find, you know, there have been situations where I've watched stuff um, that doesn't, that's like, doesn't have the right language um, subtitled or something like that. It's really surprising how easy a lot of movies are to follow without language. You know, if you really are watching it and if it's good, particularly. Um, What I'm more, what I'm more curious about from, from, from Ryan and Kat's perspective, having seen it now, is content aside, what did you guys think about the quality of the film? What kind of question is that, Kev? Um, <laughs> it was... Uh, <laughs> I'm, just, um, I'm just baiting. <laughs> what did I think about the quality of the film? Um, yeah, it was yeah, shot like on decent yeah. cameras, and uh, I mean, it wasn't like... It wasn't like B movie cheesy gore. Like the all the blood and the murder and everything seemed realistic and looked good, like well done. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, just the the so so I will say like I'm glad I kind of like had these tactics to get out of the spell, the like hypnotic spell of the movie with like the 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 soundtrack, which is very you know trancy, you know to to kind of get me out of it because it'd be very easy to really be hurt by this movie, I think, and the things that happen towards the end. Um, and I was a trying to from the moment, well, because I'm familiar also with like literature and film and the way that we are endeared to characters through their through actions throughout the movie. So right from the very first scene with his son, I decided I would not care about this child (laughs) you know i was like i will not love this kid he's very adorable but i will not i will not be emotional about him i will Mm -hmm. not love his wife i will not fall for all these tricks that they that they do in this movie where they try to get you to care about all these people 
Yeah, these tricks of more ways of than one. cinema. Oh. I thought the production quality uh, was pretty good because a lot of these horror movies you see when you get into the more crazy stuff, the stuff that's banned in different countries, you usually end up getting something that looks really poor quality, uh, sounds very poor quality. Um, but this was this was great, and I, I looked it up, and it it was made. It says for like fifteen hundred dollars, but that can't be true. What? And I, that's the total. That's the total box office reporting. That's the it box office only, of Brazil. <laughs> only yeah, in Brazil. Only, it was wow. only released in. Well, I don't know if it was released in other countries, but the only country that reported box office earnings was Brazil. Allegedly, this director, uh, he gets a lot of shit because I guess. When shit was bad, his dad shipped him out of the country to go to film school, and he came back, and his dad is reported to be one of these guys that made money off all the bad shit that was happening in Serbia. So a lot of people in Serbia are pissed at him that he had the balls to come back with his daddy's money. After not even really living through it. Yeah, and then do this big, uh, according to him, this big political statement about the country of Serbia. That's a pretty heavy charge, Kevin. I don't know what evidence we have about I don't know this guy. I don't know his dad. I don't know anything. You can't even say his name. Say his name. Trent's a Serbian film apologist. Say his name. (laughs) It's like pretty... I can't say it. It's pretty much all all consonants. I can say it's like one... No, it's like surgeon. It's surd... Jean. No, that, I think that was good, S-R-D-J- Kevin. S-R-D-J-A-N. Can, can you say that again, Kevin? I thought that was good. Zordana Spazosevich. There's no A at the end of his first name, though. Well, it's, it's not English, English Kevin, What wolf urine is Kevin drinking right now to gear up to watch a Serbian <laughs> film again? He just converted it all to little DVD, little little Sony cam discs so he can watch it like he does in the movie. Well, um, there, there isn't much known about the guy. I don't think that like having been to film school is an indictment of a filmmaker. I mean, I, you know, if, we don't, if we don't have kids that go to film school, I don't know how many movies we have. Probably wouldn't have been I, as I don't know who movie. his dad was. I don't know what his dad did. I think that you can have been uh, an affluent kid who went to film school and you can still make a movie. I don't think that that is, you know, negates anything that you might Oh, say in your movie. I'm not indicting him or saying I agree with it. I'm just saying in the various it, articles that you read that you can find on the film, those are just it's some a of charge. The that have come up. Yeah, it's, it's a, a charge, charge you can find out there from within the country that people, uh, understandably, probably there are people in Serbia that don't appreciate. <laughs> he made a movie called a Serbian film that features what, yeah. that kind of content in this movie. Yeah, I, I mean, I will just say um, my overall thought is I understand. You know, because there's that big monologue. It's like a speech he gives as he's drugging the porn star dude. Vukmir, Vukmir gives this speech about how this is, you know, it's this big speech about art and how it can, you know, speak to, you know. And so that's kind of like the crux of Trent's argument that this movie it matters. Um, and uh, I get that. I do feel that way after having seen the movie a little bit. But as I've thought about it... I just feel like the point could have been got across so much better if this was not done as a porn metaphor (laughs) and instead done as concentration camps and murdering, you know, your neighbors and Mm -hmm. so on and so forth. So I feel like there's definitely as much as I get the point of it, I do feel like it kind of 
miss the mark on trying to get his point across overall clearly as it's like banned I, I, I don't know I just think I think maybe I do think this type of movie can be important if you can show life as it's as horrible as it possibly can be mm-hmm. you know to show people the reality and I think we could use a movie like that in America but I don't know that it needs sex and rape and <laughs> and, and and rape and murder and incest and we like resurrect john holmes and make the most fucked up porn zombie apocalypse movie i think that part the the polarizing quality of this movie and the shock although it's not going to get to a broader audience i think ryan you're right that maybe it would have had more of an impact if even more was implied uh about the the abuse and the and all that stuff as it was a metaphor for the you know Serbian government, but I feel like if you actually do sit down and watch this movie, it resonates with you more because it's so shocking um, for so for a viewer like me anyway. That's the way. But that's that's what horror to me that that's part of what the horror genre does is that it it uses extreme parables, extreme metaphors, extreme conceits. It it doesn't give you a flowery. If, if there's a, a Schindler's, this is like, you know, it's not going to give you the Schindler's list treatment. It's going to, that's kind of part of the point. It's like we talked about black metal, have extre- anything extreme like that. And I don't think that this movie, I don't think that this movie is necessarily trying to make a statement about the Balkan Wars or ethnic cleansing, but it's about, I think it's about more about post-war Serbia. But either way, you know, having been, I've been thinking about this so much this week, like I've, I'm so steeped in this film now, having seen it so many times and we've been talking about it for weeks. Um, I feel like I, I just, I'm starting to see everything as this movie. And, and like there's two kinds of people in the world. There's Milos, the porn star, who is sucked into this last job. And there's Vukmir Vukmir, the filmmaker who manipulates him. So you're either Milos or you're Vukmir. Right now, for example, Spose and Kat, you guys are Milos. <laughs> We're Vukmir. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, like who, who, who is pulling the strings? Who is manipulating? Who is exploiting? Who is victimizing, most importantly? And who is the one being manipulated? Who is compromising themselves? Who is being victimized? Kat, we talked a little bit about there's a whole speech in this movie about victimization. Um, I'm not eloquent enough to re-give the speech, but the thrust of it is that the world runs on victimization. Mm-hmm. If you really want to get into it, every 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 transaction has a victim, has a Milos, has the people that Milos victimized has the Vukmir at the top of the chain. And we talked about, and, and I felt, you know, honestly, like I, I don't think that it's a joke to ask somebody to watch something that is so graphic and depicts so much victimization. But I felt mm-hmm. like the movie was saying something serious, but I didn't think that it was just exploiting that for for giggles like some movies that I would consider that do that like I spit on your grave for example I don't think sure. it's saying any you know I don't think that movie says mm-hmm. anything I think it's just pure exploitation what what did you think of that aspect of it 
I mean, I definitely thought some things. Um, I don't know. It was, I I knew going into it that it was definitely going to be a hard watch for me personally. Um, you know, we we chatted a little bit, but it's like coming from like a a background of you know like a a person who's been through like childhood abuse. Like this was absolutely a very difficult watch for me. While I agree that it was a very well done movie and there were absolutely plot points and you know this represents this and yada yada yada, did they need to do all these things? I'm not sure. Would I suggest anyone ever watch this film unless they do some research on it first? Absolutely not. It, but it was the the things that they were trying to get across were absolutely worth watching. Like I appreciated what they were trying to convey. Um, could they have done that without most of the film? I think so. Um, sure, you didn't. I, you didn't have. <laughs> what's that noise? Is anyone else hear that noise? Yeah, yeah I don't know it's what my it furnace. That's your furnace. It yeah. turned on like halfway through Cat's thing. You could. You're probably gonna want to mute my mic on this. Suppose it. Suppose it's handcuffed to a furnace. Uh, furnace right now, and soon. His, <laughs> I didn't want to bring it up, but his teeth are. His teeth are gonna us. be removed with pliers, and somebody oh, is going to. About that part. Somebody is gonna asphyxiate him with, with a penis and kill him. Is what's gonna happen about that, that part. That's well, the I, cinema. I have. I have two. <laughs> I have two questions for our. Uh, for our victims here. Sure. One. One would be. Do you think if you had watched this movie alone, it would have affected you much differently than having watched it in the group setting and sort of the circumstances that we did? That's question one. So go. 100%. Well, if I had watched it alone, one of my mechanisms to get through the movie was to joke with it, joke about it with Kat and Dave Gutter um, while Trent sat seriously on the couch and Kevin tried to not contribute to the joking or laugh so that he could... <laughs> focus on the seriousness of it i was like try that was one of my tactics to get through it and i think overall like trauma and stuff like that that's happening to you even in real life is easier to get through when you've got co you know people have been through it with you you know mm -hmm. uh if you know you're talking about like domestic abuse or whatever with your you know it's like if my i could talk about it now with my brother and my sister you know to like process it or laugh about it or whatever mm -hmm. but it wasn't funny and if I had nobody to talk about it with I don't know that I you know I don't know how I'd turn out anyways so I think um overall definitely watching it as a group and like I said I haven't really been with people for months so it was a, kind of a celebration anyway so I tried to look <laughs> at it as a I really didn't want to make driving to Portland and sitting through this movie a miserable thing for me so a lot of it was attitude anyways yeah, if I hadn't drank nine twisted teas <laughs> twisted with you guys, um, it was definitely my comfort drink that I brought with me. I was like, ah, you know, I just need something that's real that I know I'm gonna love the whole time, and I just, I just need that crutch. <laughs> um, yeah, if I, if this was like a regular format where I had to watch it at home, like by myself. I would I I honestly probably would have texted you guys and been like I didn't watch this movie I leprechaun it, it wouldn't have this movie yeah uh, no. I don't think that I don't think that Cat um, and Spose would have made it through this movie if we weren't at the screening if we didn't hold mm -hmm. the red carpet event and I was frankly it was a little like you know I thought you guys were a little cavalier about it I was I was sitting back in in the couch seat watching and I'm thinking, you know, these guys are really yucking it up. 
I don't know if they're really getting all the points of this. Everybody's having a pretty good time here. They're cracking <laughs> jokes. They're acting like it's Mystery Science Theater 2000. They're not getting the cinema. So, so that was intentional. Yeah. So question yeah. <laughs> question two: Is there any chance that this experience opens you guys up, well, cat, to more extreme horror or exposed to horror at all? Uh, I would say for me, yeah. If this is as bad as it possibly can get, um, yeah, it does open me up to other stuff. But for me, you know, I don't know that. I I, I mentioned this the other day after we were just talking after the movie, but I I think, um. This movie lacked a lot of the things that really scare me about horror, which is like uh, jump jump scares and like things, you know, like you don't know. I hate to say it, but like I know this movie includes maybe one of the most horrible instances ever of <laughs> violence against your family, but like family home invasion type of stuff like messes with me way more than this, mm-hmm. I think. Whereas me, this me is too. almost like this fantastical scenario where these you know, guys who operate with impunity can kidnap your family and they bring them here and drug them and they, you know, and they, it, it, it seemed almost unrealistic in that regard. So it was like, so I do think there's other horror movies that might mess with me more than this movie, mm-hmm. yeah, though I'm, they might I'm, not be as horrific as this movie. Yeah, I'm way more scared about you know, a movie like The Strangers where three masked people show up on my doorstep unannounced than I am about being uh, killed by a penis in my mouth. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's like, I, I just think... Took the me, words right out of my mouth. And the penis. Hello. Like a penis. I won't even make the joke about the mouth. Hello. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. You know. Like, if this is the worst that I'll ever see, I... I mean, I absolutely agree that this is the worst thing that I will ever see. I would ever. hope. So I'm glad we got it out oh. of the way. But me and Trent are working on a little project. <laughs> we, we hope to outdo this. Great. Can't wait. Just, we'll call um, you in three days. It only stars the two of us. We'll call you no. in three days. Just be there. That sounds. <laughs> it's just us raping each other uh, for hours. The 24. It's hour called film. Paranoid Social Club. Oh. <laughs> The Paranoid Social Club is actually a giant club. (laughs) Um, The the weird thing was for me watching this movie, and maybe it was the, you know, let's get a sponsor, shout out Twisted Tea. Maybe it was the Twisted Teas, but I did not have, I was honestly very scared that I was just going to be weeping in front of everyone when the movie was going on. And I was like, I was too. I was afraid of that also. I was like, I don't want. You know, we're close, but I don't need you guys to see me cry. You know, like, let's save that for, you know, a later episode. But Episode 100. Yeah. We've <laughs> but, been trying to make you cry for 20 episodes. Well, <laughs> I cried. At, well, and that's the weird thing is that, so I watched Killing of a Sacred Deer and was very upset about it and was literally sobbing afterwards. But in hindsight, the content is not, is absolutely not as bad. So I don't really understand why... I think it was the T. I think it was the T that really did me in. Well, you but, jumped. You jumped in the deep end, and maybe you'll be stronger for it. Yeah, thank you. But you know, one of the things that I think about with this movie uh, is the layers of like when you watch a movie and you're kind of like, who is ultimately the victim and who who's ultimately the bad guy and like the transference of of power and responsibility. It reminds me of you know we've been talking about. Uh, 
the racial injustice that's been going on in this country and and the fact that people are out protesting and you have the president trying to get the military to attack the protesters. And then so when you have a soldier, you know, go up to a peaceful protester armed with, you know, grenades or gas or whatever they have, uh, it, it makes you wonder, like, who's the bad guy and who is the pawn and, you know, and who who's the victim? And I think that what this movie is saying is that Donald Trump is the Serbian president um, that is, uh, you know, causing everything. Everything goes back to the person who has the power and the person who's desperate for money for their family or whatever, the things that they have to do to get out of their situation. Um, and in most cases, and especially when you're looking at the 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 urban places where these people live in the ghetto, uh, you'll do just about anything to get your family out of there. The, the line between right and wrong, the line between right and wrong and what's criminal and what's not, I mean, is blurred to you. Like maybe you don't even think you're, of yourself as a criminal, but mm-hmm. if you were backed up against that wall and you had to do something, you'd do whatever it took. I, I know I would. Mm-hmm. I read some, yeah, so, I know, I, that's a really I good point that. there. I read something, I think it was, oh, maybe it was when we watched Carrie. I think I read William Catt, uh, who was in Carrie and played uh, Greatest American Hero. He said something about when he's preparing for the role of a good guy, all he does is focus on, you know, everything that's good. And when he's preparing for the role of a bad guy, he does the same exact thing because bad guys never think they're the bad guy. Ooh. Mm. Interesting. I meant to mention this the other day, but I couldn't think of it. Um, there's this Neil Gaiman story called The Others, um, or Other People, rather. Um, and it's a it's a short story, um, and it's super... I read it once when I was working in the kitchen somewhere, and it always stuck with me. And basically, it's this guy goes to hell. You know, he has died, and he goes to hell, and there's an expressionless demon there sitting in the you know, in the seat and he makes him relive everything he ever did to people, you know, victimize, you know, basically everything he ever did. And then he, the demon gets up and leaves the room and, you know, maybe 80, a hundred years have gone by in this process of reshowing him everything. The demon gets up and leaves the room and the seat is empty. And the dude realizes, Oh, now I'm, now I go sit in the seat. I'm the, I'm the demon. And some new guy walks in and the cycle just continues. And mm-hmm. I don't know how related it is, but it just reminded me of that concept of, you know, he, you, the cycle, the stories of human humanity and history go back, you know, centuries, millenniums, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's the thing about, you know, this, you know, abuse of power or the, the leverage between any any class or anything like that is uh, it keeps perpetuating itself. At one moment, your gay people are fighting for their rights and then women are fighting for their rights and then people of color are fighting for their rights but it's all the same fucking thing so why do we have to keep going in this cycle and pretending like we're just going to pass this off to somebody else um when it should have been when the when the first person or the first type of people were oppressed for whatever reason and they got through that it should have been over yeah it like, shouldn't oh, be yeah, like, like different right. <laughs> boxes to check it's like you got a track list yeah. up and you're making an album and you're like all right all right, we got the drums done. 
Let's move on to the guitar. I mean, it shouldn't be boxes mm-hmm. that we're checking. It should be one big fucking box that everyone's in, and we should check that shit off at the same time. I agree. I will say this about the end that you're talking about, Ryan. I do think that a lot of the point that the director was trying to make is sort of hurt by the final scene. I do think he loses a little bit of his ability to say that this isn't just a shock film because he had to throw in that very last scene. That, okay. to me, is a, a little bit... Um, uh-oh, yeah, trying to Okay, here we go. The final scene is the most defining scene of the whole movie. I think so, too. I think do, so, do you too. Not, I do think you, the rest what is... Do you think happened, is in, what do you think happened in Serbia in, in the 90s? I mean, what do you think happens all over the world all the time? You know what I mean? Like, the, the final scene of the movie is it's very grim. It's very sick. But, uh, I mean, I think that it's like when we were watching it, I wanted to make sure that you guys, that uh, Spose and Cat didn't like get up and use the bathroom before that final. It's all you know, even like just like the final. I guess I would say like like the full minute. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, you well, got to have that. You hear, you hear, uh, you know, all these stories about you know the Eastern European um, human trafficking and you know uh, child trafficking, pornography, and and even smut films and everything. And it's real. It actually happens, you know, and it hasn't been um, there needs to be people marching in the street <laughs> and uh, trying to, you know, stop all that. But who is the who is I mean, the woman that was arrested? Have... Who's the I can't pronounce uh, another name. I can't pronounce uh, Jeffrey Epstein's Wrangler was arrested by the oh, FBI yes. today. Jelaine. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about happening right here in Florida on a jet plane with rich guys who hang around Harvard and Bill Gates. I mean, it's not like some sort of far-fetched thing that um, people traffic in sex and uh, abuse and kill and Children. murder and have sex with dead yeah, bodies. Yeah, I mean, I said the other day, but I think America could really benefit from a movie as graphic and as horrible as this um but maybe even more spell it out for people like it doesn't Mm -hmm. need to be a metaphor like this is really (laughs) what goes on in this country this is what this country perpetrates you know whenever i see anybody defending the flag you know i gotta laugh Mm -hmm. because like that flag does only means that you know to like a few people here like that's not what that flag means in in uh half the countries in the world you know it's terror it's You know, and so um, it's murdering children and families and, you know, and for profit, you know. And so I think um, America could really benefit from a movie like that. I, I, to be honest, am detached from Serbia besides knowing, you know, about Kosovo and, you know, the, you know, Milosevic going on trial in The Hague and so on and so forth. I don't know. But I just don't have emotions attached to Serbia in that regard. So I really feel like America could benefit from a movie like this, perhaps. But I'm sure it would just get overshadowed by the level of depravity and violence. Speaking of the Hague, that was one of my, one of my, all my things, my favorite things about the movie now are little things that it took me several viewings to to pick up on. But when Milos and his wife are discussing this proposition of the one last job, and he says, I don't know, the guy's name is Vukmir. His wife says, Vukmir, sounds like one of our guys at the Hague. And then, right, and then, like, it's not subtle at all, but I, I didn't get it until the fifth time. And, but then later on in the movie, he, Milos has his uh, crooked cop. I think it's pretty well implied that his brother is a cop, and 
not only a cop, but he's a crooked cop. He's not a good cop. He has him do some background on Vukmir, and uh, he's giving him the scoop, like, okay, here's what I found out about Vukmir. His last name, also Vukmir. <laughs> Vukmir, Vukmir. I've been thinking about it. I wonder if Vukmir is a first name. You know, never trust a guy with two first names. Vukmir is probably a first <laughs> yeah. name. It's probably like Steve. It is. Yeah, that's well, right. His name is Steve. My, Steve. My name is my name is Kevin James Kenny. So I must be a shady motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, the spelling, right. no. The spelling is good. <laughs> Vukmir, um, Vukmir. I, I, I do just want to say that it, as you recount those lines, Trent, I realize that his brother was lying to him. That's see. That's an interesting question. When did his yes. brother? That's what, mm-hmm. I don't know. Right. So, his brother was in on it, right? Was he? But though? when? When but did he get in time? on it? Yeah. Exactly. Right. I think well, maybe I, from the moment he starts investigating him. That's what I think. I that's think what Milo's theory. Was. I think Milo sent his brother off to be like investigate this guy, and I think Vukmir was like, "Hey, you want in on it?" And yeah, he was like, well, cops are easy to I, pay already, off. I already jerk off to my nephew's birthday ca- uh, birthday oh. video, so yeah, sure, I'm in. <laughs> oh, I forgot well, about that. No, but to take, wow. you know, let me take this Look, real quick, on, this, this question. Blow harder, Peter. Okay, to take this question back even further about his brother and when does, when does his brother become complicit and how honest is he being? Much earlier in the movie, Milo says to his brother, you're going to alienate me from my friends if you keep doing background checks on everyone. And his brother says friends in Serbia so that's kind of like a, a thing that runs well, through the whole movie like what have you done what were you involved in who are you what's your past what's your name and I thought what did you I do before this where were you where were you in the 90s where were you in the year 2000 what were you complicit in whose side are you on what are you doing behind my back how honest are you being like it's powerful stuff and that's how I feel about cops and town officials in America in 2020 mm-hmm. yeah exactly Mm-hmm. They're, they're all think, complicit. Uh, they're just they're way, all not they're, they're just even other. better at hiding it. Yeah. Yeah, he's, you know, he's, the cop is, like, originally the, his first background checking is just, like, as a hobby. He's just, like, telling Milos, like, about personal information about his associates and friends because, yeah, he just looks into this stuff. He just likes to know everyone's dirty secrets and skeletons, and he tells them when they change drug dealers, and, you know, it implies information that... You know, he's just he's just out there on the streets digging yeah, stuff ca- up about people. Just casually letting them know that they've moved into a different genre of film involving donkeys. <laughs> hey, Ryan, did, yep. did Vukmir Vukmir at all, uh, the way he was talking about art, the way he was like, you know, this is clearly like the worst type of expression that there is, but yet he's talking about art uh, in this very high regard or his, his art in this very high regard. Um, it reminded me of like, you know, you do features and I do hip hop sessions, but when you get with these guys and they're just like, dude, man, this is the neck. This is going to be, this going to blow people's minds, dude. Wait till you hear this, man. This is crazy. This is the next level shit. And there's just some like auto tune, uh, you know, like random shit. Um, and there's a bunch of guys there of, nodding, like, yes. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a newborn, the porn. Uh. <laughs> no. <laughs> newborn trap. <laughs> newborn trap. <laughs> 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 